welcome to Solutions for a Simpler Life. This is Glenda Lehman Irvin with Lehman's On the Square in Kidron, Ohio. We're glad you've joined us. And today we have Joel Salatin of Polyface Farms in Virginia, author and, as I like to call him, pastor of the pasture. Uh, Joel, I've heard you speak about the top time wasters on the homestead. Can you tell us a little bit what some of those are to make us more efficient when we're homesteading? Sure. Well, one of them is uh, simply walking places without carrying something or carrying a full load. Uh, Never carry one five-gallon bucket, for example. Uh, Carry two five-gallon buckets. Then tomorrow, uh, you have one sitting there. You don't have to carry it at all tomorrow. Um, Another one is uh, to to make sure your distance isn't too far. Um, Ben Hartman, who wrote The Lean Farm based on Toyota Manufacturing's lean manufacturing uh, procedure, uh, found in gardening, you don't want to have to walk more than about 100 yards to get a tool. So it's actually more efficient to have duplicate groups of tools uh, stationed in little little uh, sheds around the place that are all within, you know, 50 to 100 feet of all of your workspaces so you don't have to walk, you know, 150 yards, for example, to get a tool. Um, a- another one is uh, is getting preoccupied about perfection. Uh, you know, moving the project from uh, functionality to perfection can often double double the time on a project. The chickens, the cows, the pigs, the tomato plants, uh, they don't actually care if it's not perfectly plumb or not perfectly level or not perfectly square. And uh, and too often we just burn up a lot of time <laughs> trying to make uh, form over function and and be perfect. So you know those are those are some things that that kind of enter in uh, to the to the farmstead that can eat up a lot of time. The number one to me, the number one is uh, trips to town. Uh, you know, one of the reasons to simplify our lives with a a homestead farmstead situation is to unplug from, from town. And, um, and so by, by, uh, uh, doubling up on trips to town where we're piggybacking. So we make our list and we say, okay, I'm only going to go to town once a week or whatever. Um, so we do all of our errands in one day by writing things down, making a list, planning a little bit, you can really reduce those trips to town. That, that adds up to a huge amount. Another one of my favorites is what I call the filler list. And uh, so many times, you know, we're working along and we kind of finish a, a bigger project and, oh, I've got, I've got 15 minutes before supper or before I've got to go do something else, uh, before I have to meet somebody, whatever. What do I do with those 15 minutes? Let's see. I was, I had a thought this morning about something I needed to do. It takes about 15 minutes. What was it? Let's see. I was, what, we end up spending 15 minutes trying to recall what we had thought about this morning that took 15 minutes to do. And so if we write those down and just keep them on a rotating filler list, uh, anything that just takes, you know, 10 to 20 or 30 minutes, then when you have those snippets of time, um, that where it's 
it's too little time to start something new, but too much time to waste, we can fill it with these little filler things that take just a few minutes. Chopping the five thistles that are out behind the, the woodshed, um, you know, those kinds of things. And, and you know, a few of those add up to some significant progress in a week to, to take some of those 10 and 10 and 15 minute sure. uh, intervals. I think you said it was your grandfather or your father that said four hours a day should be chores. And by chores, things that have to be done at a certain time. Right. No no more than four hours. No more than, no four. More than four hours. So we try to keep it at three, maybe two hours in the morning and one hour in the afternoon for chores. And the reason is because you need time between chores to make progress, whether it's uh, whatever, whether it's to read, <laughs> to plan, to uh, construct, to build new, to repair, to maintain. Um, a chore is something that you do at pretty much the same time every single day, milking the cow, feeding the dog, gathering eggs. Uh, you know, those are, those are chores that you do every single day at the same time. And so, um, so anytime that we can move something that is currently a chore and we can move that to a flexible time of day, that that completely changes that task because suddenly now we can we can fit it into the day as opposed to it being a have to, you know, at the same time every single day. Sure, sure. Well, it sounds like you are very productive. What do you do to relax? What do I do to relax? Probably, if I was honest, it would be read. Read is my recreational thing. Uh, I just, I'd love to read. Is writing relaxing for you? It is. Writing is relaxing, although not as relaxing as reading uh, because you're, you're creating as opposed to just consuming. You know, consuming. Yeah. Yes. Do you have a favorite author, fiction or nonfiction? Uh, my favorite fiction author is Charles Dickens. Ah, uh, he is still just what he did. I mean, imagine this guy is writing in 1830, 1840, uh, England. And, you know, back in those days, they didn't have computers. And so he wrote with a quill pen. And so he would, um, the, most of the novels, most of the books that he wrote were actually carried in serial form first in newspapers. And he was writing as many at his peak, six books in serial form in newspapers in, with a quill pen. I mean, he didn't have a dictionary. So imagine keeping all the characters and the flow of the story moving on six different projects simultaneously with a quill. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I, I, I can't even describe it. it so it, he was the first prolific blogger. Oh, absolutely. He, yeah. Uh, today he would be off the charts in his uh, ability and his, the number of words that he do. Right. I mean, his vocabulary was just incredible. Yeah. I, I just, um, the, the worst part of Charles Dickens is that it's, it's old enough now that it's, it's becoming a little harder to read because we don't use all those kinds of words or, or they're, um, there's specific things for coal buckets and different kinds of buggies. And, you know, 
we just call it, we just say buggy. But for him, a hack was different than a, sure, than a very buggy. Very specific vernacular. Yeah, than a coach, period, right? right? And so there's very specific things. Mm-hmm. And it, it is becoming a little bit more difficult to read now. But but I, I'm just spellbound by his ability to, to tell a story. Fantastic. Incredible storyteller. Do you have a nonfiction favorite? Oh, nonfiction favorite. Uh, probably Wendell Berry. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's a true, uh, wordsmith. Yeah. Well, we're, we're fortunate that there is so much good material out there online. Of course, that's only as good as the author, but the number of books that we have, for example, here in our store, everything from square foot gardening to tapping maple trees for syrup to goats. And, and, uh, we often talk to people that are just getting started and we request that they don't buy 40 acres and sell everything. They get some books and they start small. And I know that's something you talk about too. It's, it's a journey. It's not a destination. Even with animals, you say literally start small, start with a rabbit or a chicken. Don't start with two massive horses. Yes, absolutely. Always start embryonically around our farm whenever we're thinking about a new project. The tendency is in America today, especially when you're talking to a venture capitalist, is to to ask, well, how big can this be? You know, we're always thinking big. Around our farm, our first question is always, well, how small can we do it? Because it's it's in the smallness that you work out the kinks and you don't you don't shake up the mothership, right? You, you, know, you don't want to jeopardize the mothership uh, with an experiment. And so we're big on experimenting, but experiment small and, uh, and experiment one thing at a time. Don't experiment with everything at once. Uh, experiment with one thing, become proficient at one thing, and then do your other experiment. Do your next, you know, do your sure. next thing. And see if it's scalable. And, and, and see if it's scalable, yeah. Yeah, yeah we do that at work too. Um, um, if it doesn't work small, it's unlikely to work big. You'll just have bigger problems. Exactly. Test it. I mean, testing sure. is such a is such a big, we do that with, with uh, supplements for animals, with foliar uh, things for plants. The, the thing is, especially when you're talking about growing things, which, you know, homesteading is a, is a, Growing things is a big deal. Plants, animals. Um, what what happens is that when we're growing things, um, growing things have a mind. You know, they're not they're not just mechanical. They're, they're, there's a there's a dyna, there's a dynamic element to living things. And so we read a book, we read a second book, and there's two kind of maybe conflicting um, products that were used. And, uh, and results achieved, okay? Well, so now what's going to work for me? What's going to be my answer? And so we need to appreciate that different situations, especially biologically, have different nuances. And so a product that was one person's, whatever, uh, panacea does not have the same results for another person. And so... So you have to you have to test. Don't don't buy a fifty five gallon drum of something right out of the box. Get a get a pipe and do some control things. And uh, you know we've tested that with mineral supplements and 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 different kinds of things to de- determine what seems to work best. What's a better ration for chickens, for example? And it's it's trial and error. But uh, but always do it on a small scale first. Do your tests. Find out what works for you, and then. That that makes perfect sense. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Joel, and we hope to have you back soon. Thank you. It's my delight. 
This is Glenda Lehman Irvin with Layman's, where we stand for a simpler life. Thanks for listening. For more, visit layman's.com. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.